The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co. established 1977 have personal and domestic water filters which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Marty, well, Martin, thank you so much for joining us once again. How are you, brother? I'm doing well today. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to be here. This is going to be a real treat because we've recorded two podcasts together over the years, and this is our third time, and this is the third time we're actually on video together, which will, which will be interesting because uh, I always wanted to do this, and over the last year I've been recording video instead of just audio, and uh, I feel like there's something so so beautiful about seeing someone instead of just listening to them as well. So uh, thank you for uh, for being a part of this once again. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. And I always love, I mean, you know, I have my own podcast and I only put out audio on my podcast, but all the interviews are done with video because I always like being able to see the person that I'm speaking with so that, you know, we can gauge each other's reactions. And it's funny sometimes interviewing people and they're like, well, th- no one's going to see this, right? You know, that they're concerned about how they look or what their environment looks like. Um, I, t- I show them, no, no, it's only audio, but, you know, we want to be able to see each other. And I think it's important, especially these days where a lot of us are very isolated because of, you know, just this situation as things are. But yeah, it's a great pleasure to be here. And I noticed that it's a little hard to tell with my shirt and with the lighting, but we're both wearing nice gray t-shirts today. So we're a little bit matchy. <laughs> we are. And you just mentioned something about um, being in isolation and why it's so wonderful to connect. And I have to say, over the last 18, 19, 20 months, however long this, this new reality has, has 
made itself known. In the back of my mind, I think every week I've been like, I wonder what Martin would think about all of this. I wonder what Martin Ball would be thinking at, at this particular point in time. And I, I honestly have had that thought from the start of this pandemic right through to now. And even my wife, my wife Nick, she sends her love. She's like, you should get Martin back to talk about his perception on everything. And, and just to give people some context here, Martin, if you haven't listened to our podcasts in the past, Martin, how would you describe yourself as to why people have invited you to speak on their platforms? Yeah, well, um, I'm I'm a fairly interesting person, I guess. Um, But primarily, it's because I'm sort of a self-identified non-dual and theogenic educator that sort of kind of encapsulates a lot of what it is that I do and and what I'm about. And, you know, we've talked about this before that for me, that this really was something that came about through my experiences with 5-MeO-DMT of having these non-dual experiences as a sense of, wow, all of reality really is just one consciousness and one being interacting with itself. And um, for me, th- this is something that was happening back in 2008 and 2009. And, you know, at, at this point, here we are in 2021. And people all around the world now at least have some vague knowledge of 5-MeO DMT. But when I first started all of this, no one had really ever heard of it. Uh, you know, a few select sort of secreted groups knew about it, but most people didn't. Um, so I've been a very vocal proponent of 5-MeO-DMT as a very powerful tool of personal discovery and transformation. And also, um, it's actually now much more common in the psychedelic world for people to talk about non-duality and non-dual experience. And I think that I am really largely responsible for that because I, I, I was the one who first started really using this language in psychedelic culture. And there was a lot of pushback against that um, at the time, again, going back to 2008 and 2009. And because I've been through all of this myself, and I also developed a practice of working with individuals, of helping them work through their own experience with 5-MeO-DMT and working directly with them, um, which was a completely unique model of of how to approach these kinds of experiences and how to work with people in that state um, that I've been something of, uh, for some people, I'm very controversial. For others, I'm very groundbreaking and very revolutionary. and I'm able to communicate all of this from very uh, sort of a simple language perspective and that I, I'm kind of a paradox for some people in the sense that I spend a lot of time talking about God, yet I myself do not identify as being spiritual or being religious and not belonging to any particular ideology or worldview. Um, and so I, I'm a self-described radical non-dualist. And so I'm very hard to box in, in that sense. And then just more broadly speaking, you know, that I'm part of what is now called the psychedelic renaissance. And, and I really adopted this moniker a couple of years ago 
when someone else who is, I was interviewing him for my podcast and he said, wow, you really are a psychedelic Renaissance man in the sense that I'm also, I'm, I'm a musician, I'm an artist, I'm an author. I wrote, I write both fiction and nonfiction. I've released books of poetry, books of art. Um, I work as a consultant and something of a non-dual um, therapist in a sense. I mean, I'm not officially a therapist, but certainly a huge part of my job um, is, you know, I work with people around the world who are having powerful entheogenic experiences, whether it's from 5-MeO or Iboga or ayahuasca or mushrooms. And I help them understand the nature of what their experience was and what they're going through after it. And then also there's a lot of, I get into people's relationships, history, their family history, their childhood, their sexuality. So, you know, I kind of wear all these different hats. And so I have a now, I've, I've accepted the moniker of I've been a psychedelic Renaissance man that I, I do a lot of different things. And I've also been a university professor. I got laid off because of coronavirus. Um, so I wear a lot of different hats in that sense and engage with people at a lot of different levels. But I'm also, I think, extremely approachable. And again, that I communicate all of this without using a lot of flowery language or overly spiritual language or overly metaphysical language. So I, I try and keep things as simple as I can for people and just being direct as straightforward as I can with all of this. That is why you are Martin Ball. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> paradox. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to give you a little... Um, uh, not so much as a pat on the back, but Nick and I opened a health retreat earlier this year and we have seven cabins and in each room is a copy of Being Human, your book. Oh, wow. And I have to tell you that your book, there's about 10 books that I have in there from um, people such as Joe Dispenza, uh, Bruce Lipton, there's the alchemist in there there's so there's some short books there's some longer books and your book is the one that is picked up more often and read in the hammocks because we have hammocks outside each cabin and i'm always quite curious as to which of the books they're going to pick up on this weekend and yeah. because it's it's as you know with books they pick you when you're ready and yeah. and your book out of all of them is the most common and most popular book that is picked up by people. And I don't say a thing because I want it to be a, 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 a not influenced experience for these people. You know, they come to a retreat for a weekend. It's for them to take what they want or take what they need from that experience. And it's your book, mate. And, and, my wife and I have bought, I don't know, probably hundreds of your books over the last few years and we give it to all our friends when they're like, what's a really good book that we should read? And it's always Entheogenic Liberation and Being Human. And sorry to pick those two, and I've read them all, but I, I think those two really encapsulate so much of, of people wanting answers to their deepest I'd say darkest questions, but lightest questions as well. So, yeah. Uh, so, thank you for that. Oh well, thank you. That that's really special of you to, to share that with me. Um, yeah, and mentioning those two books that um, they come several, quite a few years apart. That you know, for me, that I had gone through this very profound process, 
in 2008 and 2009. You know, I mentioned that earlier about was working with 5-MeO-DMT and also ayahuasca and salvia divinorum and some psilocybin mushrooms and do really mind, going to... Do you mind just, yeah. just explaining 5-MeO-DMT for anybody that's never heard of it for the millionth time for you and for the first yeah. time for Betty? Yeah, sure, sure. That's no problem. Um, so the full name would be 5-methoxy-dimethyltryptamine. And so if we're just using the letters and numbers, so when, when you live in the psychedelic world, you, we, we deal with a lot of letters and numbers. And so this would be 5-MeO-DMT, and that's a reference to its molecular structure. Now, as a molecule, the basic molecular structure of this is the tryptamine molecule. And this is a very basic molecule that is found um, pretty much in all life forms in some manner or another is this tryptamine molecule. And um, you know, I'm not a chemist, so I'm actually hoping my dad is a chemist and I've actually sent him photographs of like the molecular structure of all these different tryptamines. And I, I've invited my dad to come on the show to talk about it um, from a chemistry perspective. And he's, he's not into psychedelics at all, but uh, I think I'm gonna get him. But anyway, so I can't really give you like the full chemical analysis of it, but you have this basic molecular structure, and then you can add other molecules onto that structure, and then that creates new molecules. Um, so for example, in the human body, we have several different tryptamine molecules that are used as neurotransmitters within the human body. So a basic one would be serotonin. This is a tryptamine molecule. And this is why people take um, 5-HTP or they might take um, tryptophan if they're uh, looking to boost their natural um, uh, neuron levels because these are, these are the building blocks that we then make these other molecules out of. So within the human body, we have serotonin. Um, then we also have melatonin. And so these are, again, they're just little variations on the tryptamine molecule that you put a little carbon over here, you put an oxygen over here, and it turns into these different kinds of neurotransmitters. Then all mammals, including humans, we also produce two other kinds of tryptamine molecules, and that would be dimethyltryptamine, um, which sometimes is also called NNDMT or quote unquote regular DMT. And this is the active visionary molecule that's found in ayahuasca tea. And then there's, we also produce this other very interesting tryptamine molecule of 5-MeO-DMT or 5-methoxy-DMT. And so what that means is that there's a, a methoxy group, which I don't, I can't tell you what that is, but a methoxy group is attached to the five position. This is what I understand or the four positions, something like, I don't even know what, it, I'm not a chemist. Um, but it's just, it's fascinating from a neurobiological and chemical perspective that we can take this fundamental molecule of the tryptamine and then we can just add or subtract little bits and pieces to it and it turns into different kinds of neurotransmitters. And as we all know that um, this is not to reduce consciousness to neurotransmitters, but the neurotransmitter mix that we have going on in our body at any given time is going to have a direct impact on our experience of ourself and our experience of reality, right? So when our body starts to produce melatonin, the body says, hey, it's time to check out 
I'm going to go to sleep now. I'm going to go take my focus off of the exterior world and I'm going to put it into the dream world and I'm going to rest and renew myself. And then when we have serotonin, um, you know, that for some people, they associate that with sort of positive feelings and, oh, I'm feeling good. Um, I can handle life today. And this is also why, you know, from a pharmacological or pharmaceutical perspective that um, people are treated with depression uh, with uh, medicines that regulate their serotonin production. And, you know, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying that's how that's how it works in terms of psychiatry. And Oh, you're depressed? Probably means you have low serotonin levels. We have to do something to deal with your serotonin uptake and production, things like that. So all of these things have a direct impact on our experience of ourselves and our experience of reality. Then when we get to the psychedelic molecules, DMT tends to produce a very visual kind of experience and also a very powerful energetic experience as well, where you feel different energies in your body and in your being. And then it's also very visual. So people who take DMT or drink ayahuasca, you know, the whole world can turn into geometry and fractals and just infinite permutations. And just, it's really quite beautiful from a, a, a just a visual aesthetic perspective. Um, but one of the things that I like to distinguish is that with DMT, what we don't have in most instances is a dissolution of the ego. And the ego is what I identify as just our normal everyday sense of self that is separate from everything else. And it's a collection of patterns of energy with which we self-identify. And with 5-MeO DMT, it's not visual in the same way that DMT is, but it's very energetically powerful to the degree that you can actually dissolve the energetic structures of the ego for a temporary time period, where then people are able to recognize the true nature of consciousness as not, I am Martin, this is who I am, I am this ego, I am this self-identity, but it, it reveals itself as oh, actually there's only one consciousness and that is all space and all time and all manifestation and it's only one and that's what I actually am. And that all of that gets filtered down into this vehicle of this human body, which then has this unique aspect of self-awareness that says, hey, I'm me. And then is able to ask, well, who am I? Where am I? What is this? And that is the ego, right? And this is where human beings are largely different from other living creatures that don't seem to have this level of self-referential self-awareness, right? Where it's, it's much more rudimentary, you know, the, it's, not, it's not to put animals as higher or lower, but, you know, the closer we get to humans, the more, the more social an animal is, you, so usually we're talking about mammals, that they seem to have more of a sense of self-identity that might be somewhat comparable to human beings. Um, so the more complex and sophisticated the animal is, and also the more social it is, the more likely it is to have some kind of sense of self-identity. And human beings are just the most sophisticated in that context, that we have very strong sense of individual identity, of group identity, um, which I call meta-egos, and that we have this ability to directly here I am speaking with you. I'm taking 
the inner workings of my mind and I'm exteriorizing them in a way that you can then receive and derive meaning from, which is a lot different than say a bark or a meow or a chirp, right? Because we're actually dealing with language here. And all of that is a product of the ego. And I like to say that actually everything in human society is a product of the ego. It's a, it's a product of not only our sense of self, but see the ego creates a sense of self and a sense of other or me and the world at the same time. So the same way that we can ask ourselves, well, who am I? We can ask like, wow, what is this? What can we do with this? How do I understand this? And then we can have the ability to communicate and share it. Okay. So that that's what these molecules allow for. And you know, there's a lot of other things that they do as well. But I always like to point out again that DMT and 5-MeRDMT. These are produced inside every human being on the planet. And they're also in every mammal, which is something that's different from mammals from other kinds of life forms, that every single mammal has DMT and 5-MeO-DMT in it. And that we also can produce these in excess in certain times and in certain states so that we can enter into more spontaneous events and we can also ingest it from an exterior source and then have these sort of revelatory experiences. So. Being Human was the book that I wrote when I was going through this process of, as, you know, just to put it plainly, I was discovering myself as God. And here again, it's not a religious sense. It's not that, okay, I'm the Messiah and worship me. It's like, no, Martin is actually just a character that this universal consciousness is performing as through this body. And I've identified with that. So I say, oh, I'm Martin. But behind that is this universal consciousness that says, yeah, I'm Martin and I'm Pete and I'm everybody else too. And I'm just performing as you. And you think that you're just this person, but you're not actually that. So this was a, a deep revelation for me. And it also came with this very profound, profound process of what I call energetic reformatting within my being. And when that reached sort of a place of culmination, that's when I wrote Being Human. And um, as, as you know, because you've shared the book, it's just a short little book. And I, I, you know, I'm actually not surprised that if you have my book with these other people's books at the retreat center, that they've probably heard of all these other people and they might know a little something about, oh yeah, Joe Spenda says this and um, you know, this other person says that, but they probably never heard of me. And there's this little tiny black and white book that being human, an entheological guide to God evolution and the fractal energetic nature of reality that it's supposed to be kind of provocative. So I'm, I guess I'm not surprised that people might be like, well, well what is this? Because it's different. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And and you can see, well, my observation is is they're they're in it when they're reading it like I was. They're in it. And they're and many of these people haven't had a psychedelic experience. So that you can see the mechanisms. I, I can see it. I can feel it. They're like and it's nearly like I don't want to say it's an invitation for them, but maybe it is. They, they, they're like, I haven't read something like this before. That's 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 their thing, and it's like, but it's 
it's challenging, but it's not challenging at the same time because it's such common sense. That's how yeah. I view it. You know, it's it's as you said, it's a it's a small book, but it's packed just with truth. It's yeah. packed with truth. There's there's hardly there's no fluff in it. It's just absolute truth as yeah. chat, chatted and expressed by yourself. Yeah, and that's what I really try to do with the book. And my intention really was to write something as short as possible, because you know you can read these grand tomes about well here's the nature of reality and the nature of consciousness and it gets into all this esoteric stuff and and sometimes i feel that people think the more complicated i make it sound like the deeper it is and i really wanted to go the other direction look i'm just going to be as simple as i can and just be as direct as i can and write this short little book but also this is really going to challenge people i mean i knew that i knew it was really going to challenge people but also with this motivation that the idea of the people who are ready for this information, this is going to blow their minds. And I know it's going to blow their minds. And it's, it's what I've been told from many people who have, who have really absorbed what it says in the book is they say, you didn't tell me anything that I didn't already know, but I didn't really know that I knew it. But then when I saw it put into this simple form and in this language, it's just like, okay, yeah, that's, that's it. And that was kind of the response that I was hoping for. And then I also, I like to use this example because I think it kind of encapsulates how people sometimes deal with me that um, I got this one email from this guy He's saying like, oh, I just devoured being human. I, you know, I read it like several times. And then my girlfriend asked me like, well, what is this book that you're really interested in? And so he gave the book to her. And she was one of the people who was like not ready for what's in the book. And he said that after reading it for like 15 minutes, she just picked up the book and threw it across the room at him. He's like, why are you reading this crap? So she really had a reaction to it um, because the, it is challenging it's friendly but it, it is challenging i think and that that i think i am too i'm friendly but i can be challenging with people's expectations <laughs> and, and then tell us about the the um well i might actually precursor this before we talk about entheogenic liberation and, and the work that you're doing now is that i have mentioned on the podcast before that i've experienced 5-MeO dmt three times and life-changing for me Right. Just yeah, completely yeah. life changing. And it was interesting because over the last year and a half since the coronavirus is here, I had this great intuition not to journey with any any entheogenic, any psychedelic. Um, and it was interesting because what my the perception I got or the feeling I got was I need to be grounded at this particular point in time, like stay in this reality, stay in this reality. And I had a bodywork session with this, this wonderful, oh, wonderful man called Karim, and, and Karim does three-hour bodywork sessions on, on, on his clients. And it's like doing a ceremony. I've, I've never experienced any, any other bodywork that compares to what he offers in his home and it's a it's it's it feels like a proper medicine journey and yeah. and it includes breath work it includes releasing uh, different parts of the body 
And just recently I had it and in that experience, what came flowing into my body or came out of me was it's time to do the medicine again. Yeah. And I said, what medicine? It said 5-MeO. And it said, you also are going to invite a group of men to do it, a group mm. of very strong men that you know. I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. This is an interesting download that's coming to me at the moment. But it was it, there was no um, there was no doubt. It was okay, okay. If this is what needs to happen, this needs to happen. And all it said was, get a group of men, and and for some reason it's men, but for me, I'm not sure why, and bring the lions together, the, the the sort of alpha males. I'm not saying that I'm an alpha male, but there was people in my in my life that I'm like, okay, that makes sense, and. That's all I've got to at the moment where it's like, okay, well, that was channeled. And I wanted to ask you because how have you been able to deal with the last year and a half knowing what you know about the nature of reality and the truth of reality and watching and actually participating in this global phenomena that we would call a pandemic? And have you had these downloads where you've continued on your entheogenic journey or have you taken some time out? And I'm just curious as to how Martin views everything that is happening over the last year and a half from the start to where we are now and perhaps where we're going with this. Okay. Well, first I would just respond to what you were just sharing as that in essence, that's what I tell people to look for, that um, people ask me a lot, like, how often should I do 5-MeO DMT as though there were an answer? <laughs> and people ask it, they also ask me, um, how many times did I do it in my own process? I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.